New Year and welcome back to Warbird Radio. Matt Jolly hanging out here with you. You can find all of our shows posted at warbirdradio.com and of course on social media and wherever you download podcasts. We're rebuilding the archive. Uh, As you know, we've been on since uh, 2009. There were well over 700 episodes of Warbird Radio Live, the daily show we used to do. Um, Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff back in the archive and it's coming out. It's 2024. I want to talk about the National Warbird Operators Conference. For one, I'm going to be down there. I'm looking forward to going, and it's in Cocoa Beach, Florida. So if uh, you're cold wherever you're at, plan on coming down there February the 8th through the 11th in Cocoa Beach. Here to talk about it, longtime friend, Warbird operator himself and uh, and owner, Mr. Rick Siegfried. Rick, how are you doing this morning? Well, Matt, I'm doing fantastic. I You're was cold. just down in Florida. I'm back in the <laughs> Chicago area now, and it was a lot warmer in Florida. <laughs> your, your hangar's like... What, 60 degrees now? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's, it's warm enough to 60. Exactly right. It was at 56 while I was gone. All so right. I'm going to boost it up a little bit here. So. Well, if the furnace <laughs> kicks on, we'll all forgive you. That's uh, that's completely understandable. Let's uh, yep. let's talk about uh, Inwalk. It's coming up in sunny Florida, February the 8th through the 11th, 2024, in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Uh, this is a great organization. It's a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization. Not, and hear me on this, not affiliated with any one group in particular. This is a standalone Warbird Operators convention and organization that focuses on safety and all of the, I, I hate to say this, but all of the national political items and issues that face Warbird Operators every single day and I mean, if, if there was ever a time to be a member and to attend this convention, it's this year and the years following because we, we've got some problems, Rick. I mean, let's well, face we, it, as a community, and you guys are the ones that are guiding us through all of this. We're trying to, that's for sure. And again, you do not have to be a member of any particular organization, just a Warbird enthusiast to attend the event. In Walk, although we're a not-for-profit corporation, we have no membership. There are no membership dues. The only thing is you get to attend our uh, annual meeting. And of course, anybody has access to the uh, website and the information there, which is very simply the uh, letters N-W-O-C, NWOC, dot arrow. So it's uh, on the web. You can see what it's all about. You can register for, uh, see a little history of the organization, see who the players are. And although that all the big organizations, the CEF, EAA, Warbirds of America, some of the larger museums, the Palm Springs Air Museum, the Warbird Museum down in Florida, uh, you know, all across the country are all present as you said in so well in your beginning uh, opening, you know, no one organization has control of NWAC. Right. We have representatives on all of them, and we're there just to talk about the operation and the main uh, maintenance and of, of these fine machines that we tend to call warbirds that we all love so dearly from the L-Birds to the Jets. Well, and the great part about this is that the FAA is involved. They're there. We can actually have a dialogue and, you know, the, the I mean, the, the elephant in the room is always dealing with the safety issues and then how we translate that to keep these things continuing to fly uh, and their preservation with within the construct of the government. And that's a that's a it's always it's always present. And anytime that there's an issue or an accident or whatever happens, 
this always comes up. And, you know, insurance plays such a big part of that. And Lad Gardner, who uh, you cannot grow up more in the Warbird business than Lad Gardner, a guy that gets this. He's one of the big sponsors of this and obviously uh, wants to see vintage military airplanes continue to fly. So it's cool that everybody's involved in this. So if you're an owner-operator, you have to be there. Without a doubt. And uh, and it is a good cross. It's, it is, there's a fair amount of social activity within it. Oh, come on. You mean, now wait a minute. Of- there's a social element to anything to do with warbirds? Come on, Rick. Well, you know, we got to get to know each other a little bit. <laughs> we pick Cocoa Beach. It's right on the Atlantic Ocean, right on the beach. It's a great location, you know, for the uh, hotel. I mean, I, I have seen there's more spouses coming in this one than there normally is because I think they see the venue and realize what a gorgeous location it is and getting away in the winter is always a good idea. So it's going to be a great event down there, and uh, we all look forward to it. We uh, start off with a social gathering on Thursday night, and then we get Friday morning fairly early. We get into the uh, the program. We're going to have uh, representatives of the FAA Medical Division, the uh, head flight surgeon for the FAA, Susan Northrup, will be one of our speakers that will kick off the program. Who, by the way, has a family T6, well, a Harvard. I don't want Skipper to come after me. And a Stearman. That's right. Without a doubt. And she flies the Stearman. She hasn't flown the Harvard yet. Well, I think she's flown in and she's probably flown it a little bit. She hasn't soloed it, but she has uh, soloed the Stearman. So she's one of us. That's right. And the head, the head doc for the, uh, you know, for the FAA. So I'm telling you, that's, yep. uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And she'll, uh, she's going to be a participant and, uh, and then we go right into other activities. Uh, we've got representatives, uh, Sean Elliott will get us up to date on some fuel issues as well as current government issues that are in front of the EAA in general as his, uh, as his role of vice president of government relations with EAA. And of course, EAA Warbirds of America, we also have a government affairs, uh, committee that we try to stay abreast of those and they'll give us a latest update on that. Anyone with a living history flight experience exemption certainly needs to be there because uh, they're having a big uh, meeting and gathering specifically with the FAA as also without the FAA. And uh, the good news about this event, people are very open and frank with their conversations uh, when they deal with the regulatory uh, agency. And uh, so it's a good venue for those type of activities. And then we'll have our usual maintenance summer, uh, uh, pardon me, maintenance sessions with uh, some of the noted mechanics uh, around the country that uh, specialize on our aircraft. Um, I think that's fantastic, and you know, I my both of my airplanes have been down now almost a year. Uh, oh my Avalon Chipmunks, and the reason is they're, you know, they're a that Gypsy Major engine is a. Is that it's it's kind of a one-off in the United States, sure. not in England, but but this is so critical because this is where if you have a, a trusted source, a trusted resource uh, of a mechanic, this is this is one of those conferences that you better bring them along. You just yeah, better bring I mean, them. Without a doubt, the mechanics gain greatly from this. They can find out uh, part sources, uh, overhaul sources, vendors that uh, uh, that supply the. Uh, overhauling of his accessories on all the different types of aircraft. They're all there in some presence. Safety equipment is always there. We're going to have a strong parachutes is going to give us a nice little uh, talk on uh, the care and feeding of your parachute, which hopefully none of us ever have to use. But if we, but if we use it, we want to make sure it's going to work properly like any other piece of equipment on the airplane. So uh, 
that's the type of things we discuss at this conference. I so. want to go back to the maintenance side because, you know, if you're putting your family in these airplanes, if you're flying your kids, or your wife, or you, <laughs> certainly yourself in these airplanes, you want them right. And, and yes. what's so great about this is that we have some, you, you, you celebrate the 20 under 40 every year. And just thinking about Skipper Hiles' kids, uh, Susan Northrup's sons, Eagle Scouts, interested in working on old airplanes every single day. They wanted a paint booth for Christmas. Now, these are young guys in their 20s who are coming up in this. You at, at Inwalk foster this. And I don't, I mean, I, I'm sure there are other organizations that, that celebrate young folks getting into warbirds, but I have said for years, they think it's unattainable. They think it's just something that they can't do. That is, that is so far from the truth. There are so many opportunities if you just show up. And this is one of those opportunities that is worth the money to show up to, whether you're on the maintenance side or the flying side. We need young people involved in this to keep this thing going. Otherwise, it's just fruitless, right? I mean, it's Without it's a not, doubt, it's we encourage it. And it is good to see there are some people that are really interested in warbird aircraft that are coming into the community now. And uh, we encourage them to be at NWOC. Uh, and uh, we're we're talking about ways to uh, to bring attention to their uh, op- the opportunities that are presented both in Inwalk as well as the opportunities they may have when they get back home to their local flying fields via uh, a, a club opportunity that has a warbird aircraft or the commemorative Air Force, of course, certainly welcomes that. Uh, EAA Warbirds America, we have a lot of young members and try to encourage them to do to be active in different programs around the country, whether it's working at an air show or actually working on an aircraft or getting checked out in a Warbird aircraft. And uh, I know I was very fortunate. I got checked out in a Stearman when I was uh, as a graduation present out of high school and haven't looked back uh, from that time. I've continued to fly. So uh, I wanted to talk about that because your background's really cool. I mean, obviously uh, (laughs) thousands and thousands and thousands of hours uh, flying commercial jets, uh, now retired and, and living your best life. But uh, how did you get into this? Because a lot of people know the Rick Siegfried from EAA and from, you know, Air Venture and all that stuff. But how how did you get into this? Well, I was very fortunate. My my father was, a, uh, you know, grew up in the Lindbergh era. He was actually born in 1929. So right after Lindbergh uh, flew the Atlantic just a few years before that. And, of course, the United States was very aviation crazy at that time. And uh, growing up, he was a little young for World War II, although he actually is a World War II vet, but he enlisted really after the hostilities had ceased, but they still called them World War II vets. He enlisted in the Marine Corps, but he actually learned to fly while he was in high school and and, uh, continued with it throughout his career. And then, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, uh, my uh, mom and dad got married young, started having kids kind of in the fashion of the day in the early 50s. And uh, as he says, uh, if he was a baker, all his kids would know how to bake bread. Because he was a pilot, all his kids know how to fly airplanes. And there were five kids, and all of us have at least a private pilot ticket. I'm uh, the only one that continued to do uh, professional aviation. But I was very fortunate growing up uh, around aircraft and aviation. My uh, dad was a beach dealer back in the uh, 60s. So I was a line boy there and grew up around airplanes and aviation and did everything from fuel the airplanes to cut the grass to move them around and and just uh, grew up around that. He was early into the uh, he bought one of the very first Frasca simulators that he had there. Oh yeah. So in the yeah. evening we used to go in and uh, practice flying that uh, Frasca simulator and uh, that was kind of interesting and fun to do and learned a lot about uh, 
that early basic uh, uh, part of aviation. So uh, I just was around it all my life and very fortunate to do it, took advantage of it and uh, learned to fly gliders first and then uh, powered aircraft and continued with it. And my, you know, Warbird, I did fly the Stearman when I was in high school, as I mentioned. I was also, though, uh, uh, you know, getting back in aviation after working on my career in my uh, 20s. And when I did uh, finally, uh, I checked out as captain at uh, United Airlines. And I was, uh, happened to be in Westchester, uh, New York, at the airport on a trip. And uh, this is before all quite the securities developed like we have now. And a, a T6 pulled up on the ramp and a, 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 with a couple in it. And the a young lady in the back seat got out of the airplane and got a suitcase out of the back and walked into the terminal. And next thing you know, she got on my airplane and uh, went with us to Chicago. But the wow. big thing is, how cool is that T6 pulling up to the ramp here? And it was uh, uh, a nice airplane. I could see from the distance. And I said, you know, I need to look into having one of those. I'd had little airplanes at that time. I had a Piper Pacer and uh, owned that as my uh, airplane just for fun, which I still own. And uh, I decided, well, I'm going to look into trying to get a T6. So I put together a little group with four or three of my friends, four of us total. And we went together and bought a T6, which uh, we bought in California. I moved back to uh, the Chicago area. And lo and behold, I owned that airplane for over 30 years. I was going to say, over for the a years, long time. <laughs> yeah, a couple of us... Uh, Two of us ended up uh, being one of the two very first partners, and we stayed right to the very end. And uh, we bought out the other partners on and off over the years, but uh, it was an enjoyable airplane. I flew it all over the country, had it on the West Coast, I had it on the East Coast, I had it on the South Coast, wow. and uh, I showed up, if that's one thing. so Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, and, and that's, that is so true uh, just for what we're talking about today, just showing up. I want to continue our conversation about InWalk and with Rick Siegfried. We've got to take a quick commercial break. The fastest sure. in the business. We'll be right back. Lock in radio. They just mark their territory. This is Warbird Radio. Tune in. Take off. This is Warbird Radio. We're coming back here with Rick Siegfried on Warbird Radio. We're talking about InWalk, the National Warbird Operators Conference, coming up February the 8th through the 11th. He's a longtime formation guy, too. Rick, will we be talking about formation stuff at InWalk? Is that part of the discussion as well? It, it'll enter into it. It's not specific. Uh, we do have flight operation sessions on all the different aircraft, so it'll probably uh, um, enter the part of the conversations there. But uh, specifically, this is not really a uh, uh, fast. The formation and safety team puts together the uh, uh, formation activity for the Warbird community. And uh, they do have a board meeting there. Their check pilots get together and they talk because everybody's there. Yeah. And uh, but specifically, we don't really talk about formation flying unless the conversation just comes up in one of the flight operation sessions that's conducted throughout the day. I think it's great. Now, you know, Larry Kelly and I am going to throw Larry under the bus. Sure. Uh, we promised to continue the parts train for the de Havilland chipmunks and tiger moths in the U.S. And we have all these parts down here, and I'm feverishly going through them to support them. That's one of the reasons my airplanes haven't been flying this year is because I've been too busy categorizing parts to get them ready to go. But the discussion has always been amongst chipmunk and tiger moth owners. Why don't we participate in FAST? How cool would that be to be able to do that? Well, here is your chance to talk to the board members and figure out 
if there's a group that we could fly with or, or whatever. And, and look, we're just one small, tiny facet of this wonderful community. You mentioned the L-Birds. And a lot of folks think, well, I've got a L2 or a, an Aranka. I, I don't need to go to this. But the answer is you do need to come to this because you're just as much a part of this group as the guy flying a Mustang or a B-17. It doesn't matter. It, it, it is truly strength in numbers. And this is the, I, you know, this is the charitable group to help. Uh, in one. Without, yes, without a doubt. In addition to that, I mean, if a group of Elbers would get together, you know, we'll give them a a session where they can get together, kind of uh, outside of the conference, and talk about their flying experience. Talk about if they want to get or more organized into the formation world. Talk about if they want to, um, like I say, the maintenance issues, uh, parts suppliers, and all the rest of it. This is the venue to talk about those activities. We'll certainly carve out time if a bunch of Elbers will take place and show up. We always have a few uh, Elbert members that uh, were PT, primary trainer guys, that show up at the event. And so many of our uh, pilots that own heavier iron also own the light aircraft also. So it's a little bit of everything. I was talking to Rob Ryder earlier uh, this morning and uh, Rick Peterson, two of my air show announcer colleagues, and I told him I was going to NWOC. And uh, one of the things that I'm looking forward to is talking about air show announcer stuff like what do you bring to the announcer and and rob rob's pet peeve is the guy that shows up and doesn't you know we, nobody speaks in the briefing all the warbird guys leave the one guy brings up a a professionally produced piece and he hands it to us and it's got his name and where he's from and the history of the airplane and what well rob will talk about that guy on sure. saturday guess who shows up sunday all of the guys show up on Sunday and their wives have written out this stuff because they were not talked about. You know, it's this. That's right. It's so look, we're going to get you it's over that way street. Don't be that warbird operator. We're going to, we're going to figure all that out and hopefully have some time to, to talk about some of this stuff, but, uh, and get you yep. over the, get you over the hump on that. It's uh, it, and that's one of the greatest parts of owning a vintage military airplane is sharing it. And as you said, you showed up, you just kept showing up with your T six and yep. you're doing that today. I wanted to talk about this because one of the coolest stories in Warbirds right now is Job Savage. I mean, yep, Tim's cool, I just but, was but, with Job. but Job's the really cool story here. I mean, yep. we all, we all know Tim, but you know, with, with Warbird digest and, and everything that Tim has done in the Warbird industry, gosh, from rebuilding T6. I mean, just everything that that guy's done, but, but Job, yep. his son, Job has just, it's like he woke up one morning and said, I'm ready. And he's yep. just been running at it, and and you know the friends that he's that he's associating with, and that he's that he's bringing into this. It's exciting to see a young person so involved. We did that. I actually spent the last uh, week. Uh, Tim, Job, and I went out to Denver to pick up a Beach eighteen, you know, C forty five derivative. Okay, there you go. So there's a Warbird history, uh, and we brought the Beach eighteen from Colorado back to uh, Florida by way of Indiana. And while we were in Florida, I just uh, uh, check Job out in the Beach 18. So he's currently uh, uh, qualified in the Beach 18. Go out and fly it. Uh, well, fly with him again at the end of this month. But uh, we're really looking forward to that. And what a remarkable airplane. So, and you know, Job stepped up and did it. And uh, he's got his uh, C47 type rating, DC3 type rating. He did that a month or so ago. So he's getting active. He flies uh, T6s. He flies uh, the L2. Uh, he's got a uh, PT-26 that he's able to fly. So he's got yeah. a bunch of Warbirds. And, of course, the TPM. Avenger I was going to say the family, the family truckster. 
dad always said, if we, you know, if we ever had a big warbird, that, that would be the one you could just take yep. everybody in it, you know, and off, off we'd go and they're doing it. I think it's just great. Without and you're getting, doubt. you're getting to fly a lot of that stuff still. So it's uh, so cool. Yes. It we're still nice. showing very up. Generous. So, yep. So it's all good. I think it's great what's what's going on down there. And again, it's NWOC, uh, the National Warbird Operators Conference, February the 8th through the 11th. You've not announced yet all of the speakers, but if folks want to go to nwoc.aero, so nwoc.aero, uh, they can register for the conference in Cocoa Beach again, Cocoa Beach, Florida. How's that going to be for the yep. <laughs> a few days? And come on down and, and have fun. You mentioned the social aspect. One of my favorite things about Rick Siegfried Uh-oh. is, is, is you know, you're, it's a long day at AirVenture. You come back to the campground, and McCabe's out there. You're out there. Do you still, by chance, own a refreshment machine that, that stays in your motorhome <laughs> or your travel trailer? Well, that belonged to a friend of mine who was kind enough to bring it up every year. And uh, we still have refreshments in the evening in the yeah. campground, yes. Yeah. However... Our famous frozen margarita machine does oh. not show up anymore. I'm sorry. Gosh, you know, <laughs> we did that for many years. That, just, that's <laughs> just one of the greatest treats. I mean, it's the adult Slurpee, you know, it's uh, it's the best yes. of the best. That is, mm, boy, that's, and we really had good. both alcoholic and non-alcoholic yeah. versions of it. Of so, you know, you don't have to do that, but, uh, uh that was, we used to have a, a slushy machine out in the campground and yeah. that was a big hit, but, uh, it's just the transportation <laughs> of getting up and back with it every year. It just became cleaning yeah. and the maintenance. Right. And <laughs> you didn't own a Seven Eleven for a reason. You were an airline no, pilot. I, I get it. I get it. Well, it was it was spectacular while it lasted, Rick. We'll remember the it good was. old days. We enjoyed this. We still go and have a few libations while we're at the end of the day and enjoy our camaraderie with our friends that are both in the campground as well as the many people who stop by that aren't staying in the campground, but at least swing by just to say hi in the evening. And so that activity still takes place. Of course. All right. So here's, here's the, here's what I wanted you to hear. If you're, oh. if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't know these guys or gals, they all, they all know each other. They're, they're having a guy. I, I am not going to fit into this. It's clickish. This, this probably just isn't for me. What do you, what do you say to our friend that's listening to this right now? That's on the fence about this. Well, um, certainly that's the reputation that we're out there, but I think you'll find that that showing up and, and getting to know some of these people, uh, you know, they're very welcoming really for the most part and they want to share their knowledge. They want to share their experiences and, uh, and it can be a very open group, uh, and, uh, places like Oshkosh, places at Inwalk, we try to encourage the socialization with everybody and, uh, to be welcome all of them because, you never know. You might be the person that bought my T6 when I'm ready to sell it. Amen. And, yeah. uh, or or my Albert or anything else that you, you may have. I My Warbird I'm flying the most probably right now is the Stearman. Well, I fly the T6s a lot too. But, but uh, so all walks of life and uh, uh, certainly uh, you're all welcome. Uh, yesterday there was a uh, – uh, one of my neighbors was out flying his Warbird in the evening. It was a – it's a – it's the Piper version of the Elbird. So he was out in it, even though it's wintertime here in Lovey, Chicago. He managed to get it out. <laughs> Go fly the, little, the L4. Little, right, yeah. 65 horsepower Elbird out there. Yeah. And went around the pattern a few times and uh, came in and then warmed up. <laughs> I, You know, I used to have an L2, and I always said, one of these days I'm going to have an airplane with a starter and flaps. <laughs> <You> know, <'cause laughs> moving up in the world. Moving up in the world. There's nothing worse than... 
you know, a hot summer day on a cross country. And you're like, all right, I you push that thing away from the fuel pump and you, you tie it down and it's 105 degrees. And once you get the thing started, you got to crawl back into a greenhouse and go fly beat. It's exhausting, Rick, you know, and it, and it all happens at a snail's pace, right? Think but, how, think how lucky you are to have I know. had the opportunity to do that. I know. And, and Larry Kelly, you know, Panchito told me a long time ago, he said, Matt, you should never sell this airplane. And I yep. said, why is that? And he goes, you're going to miss this airplane from the day you sell it till the day you die. And you know what? He's right. Yep. <laughs> He's absolutely right. So don't worry what you've got. Show up and and just check the ego, right? Check yep. the ego. Everybody's got one and, and <laughs> with Warbird violence, everybody's got one. But just show up and have a good time. But the most important thing is show up. February the 8th through the 11th at Inwalk in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Rick Siegfried, thanks for coming on Warbird Radio. It was my pleasure. I, I hope that you have a big audience that hears all of this and you all show up at Enwalk. There you go. All right, Rick. Thanks again for coming on, folks. Listen, we'll be back with, uh, I think you're going to, are you going to, can we throw Lad under the bus? Are we going to try and get Lad Gardner on? We're going to try to get Lad Gardner. We're working on that right now. So hopefully he'll go up. I'm sure he'll be happy to talk to everyone as well. Well, I, I hope we can have, Lad has, it's been years since Lad's been on the show. Because he's kind of a recluse, you know? He. He kind of well, keeps he's busy running his business. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think he, I, I think he's got people for that now. <laughs> well, that's probably true, but I'm trying to give the guy credit. What I, can we'll I see. We'll see. All right. Thanks, Rick. So hopefully Lad Gardner's up next, and uh, we will, of course, be cranking out a lot of shows in 2024. Check the archive out, though. There's some good stuff on there. I, I, I'm telling Roy Reed's story. You want a story about Pearl Harbor? Go listen to that one. Great stuff at warbirdradio.com. Thanks again for being here. Sign up uh, for the newsletter if you want to stay up to date. As soon as an episode publishes, you get an email, and it just goes out really great and fast. All right, we'll talk to you next week. So long for now, everybody.